Hello, everyone. Welcome back. It's the Philosopher's Stone podcast, the most consistently uploaded podcast in the universe. Um, I think we missed a week or two again. Yeah, two hey. weeks. I I didn't have any internet for two weeks because I just moved in. What the hell did you do for two weeks? Used a lot of data. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't go without the internet, just paid double for it. That's uh, scary stuff. Yeah, absurd. Um, Yeah. So, what else is new? How's the new digs? New apartment? Uh, It's it's not bad. It's uh, getting it furnished. Um, You're getting it furnished. Yeah, it's a process. It takes a while. Uh, Like, because I can't. I don't know. I can't just drop like two grand all at once and like fill the place up with everything. Okay, so that's exactly what I thought when you said I'm getting it furnished, as in uh, I'm paying someone to furnish it for me. Oh. <laughs> you, meant, you actually meant the opposite. You're slowly going to add furniture over time as your budget allows. Exactly. Yeah. Ah. <clears throat> yeah. So I got a nice bed set up. And then. Perfect. You know how long it took you to, to get a bed when I lived with you? Like a year. <laughs> I ever got one. <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't think you did either. <laughs> I think you slept on a foamy like, on the ground for a year. How long did we live together? For uh, like two or three years. But for um, for I did have I got a pullout couch for my parents for like two for like a three days, but it was infested with bed bugs. So yes, and that yeah. in turn sent our other roommate on a <laughs> paranoid schizophrenic downward spiral about bed bugs infesting our whole house and he ended up sleeping up on the patio for the summer uh, <laughs> on her back porch i'd step over his sleeping body every morning because he was convinced that the bed bugs had traveled through the vents in your room into his room yeah i mean he may have been right he may have been right i don't think he was right because we didn't <laughs> see any signs of bed bugs for like the rest of the time we lived there which was at least yes, a year yes. Yeah, it's crazy. As soon as we got rid of the couch, they were gone. Yeah. So it must have been that couch. It was the pullout couch, for sure. <clears throat> we saw it in there. We broke it in pieces, and we wrapped yeah. the pieces in garbage bags and threw them out the yeah. bedroom window and then just let the sun cook whatever was alive <laughs> in there to death. But I I do remember thinking for like the next week after we realized that, every single like itch or scratch I had during uh, like when oh, I was trying yeah. to sleep, immediately I thought it was bed bugs. But I got over it. Unfortunately, oh, yeah. our, our good friend Zach did not get over it. Yeah, he, he had to move to an island, I think. <laughs> <laughs> to well, I just saw him for the first time in years uh, at my wedding reception 2.0. And uh, uh, he's the same guy. Same guy. Great. Walks in holding everybody else was uh they brought cash for the Toonie bar and he just walks in with a six pack of tall boys. <laughs> <laughs> it was just slowly crushing him throughout the night. Nice. Yeah. Nice. That guy's not one <clears throat> yeah. for reading the, the rules of, of anything. <laughs> <laughs> of the event. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Oh yeah, so, so I'm getting it furnished. I got the bed just ordered. Take a couple, like a table and a couple chairs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know what does it? Is there enough room for a tiny um, kitchen island? Because those things really, they're really so nice to have in in an apartment. Like you can buy small, small ones. Oh, like for the extra counter space? 
Yeah. I mean, it's just so much better to prep, um, to do like prep when there's not cabinets like jutting into your personal space, you know? Yeah, it's true. Um, I mean, like once I get this table, I could use this table if I need to. Oh yeah. Yeah. But, uh, it's pretty small. Like I'm basically going to have room for table, small table, two small chairs, and then maybe like a third chair and like a bookcase and like a little media thing or something. Well, keep your inner circle small, dude. (laughs) No new friends, as Drake says. Yeah. Parties will be quiet affairs. Um, (laughs) No one will be allowed to show their face. Yeah. It's a speak in hushed tones. It's like the eyes wide shut party, but it's just you and one other fat guy in masks. (laughs) (laughs) Smoking cigars and asking to see each other's dicks. An inch inch at a time, sir. (laughs) Inch at a time. I'm Uh, sure it's, uh, I'm sure. Well, that's cool that you're liking it. At least location's good, mm -hmm. you said, near the comedy clubs. Uh, Yeah, it is. It is interesting. Like, it's, I wouldn't say it's like a sketchy neighborhood, but there's like a mix of housing here, it seems like. Mm -hmm. Like, across from me, like, there's a building across from me. And I have seen like the most, like, some of the most fucked up shit in this building. Yeah, but you love, you love that. You love observing. (laughs) I do. Yeah. But like, chaos that you're not involved in. Like, oh my God, like right now I'm looking across and they've got like, they've got some of the units have balconies, like one unit on each floor has a balcony. Mm-hmm. And I'm, some of these balconies, like I'm looking at one right now where it is literally like just infested with pigeons. Oh. And just caked in bird shit. Ugh. Like this balcony. That's gross. So they don't use it, obviously. I cannot. No, no one has step foot out there in years it looks like gross that sound that to yeah. me sounds like someone lives there and is still paying rent oh but they are not uh... how could you pause how could they i i just don't understand and then um what and then it was like raining one day and i looked down and they have like it's a really weird building like i don't even see like how you're supposed to get into it but there's like uh kind of like on one of like one of the roof sections where you can like walk around on the roof mm-hmm there was this guy looked like looked like your typical like meth addict, like totally emaciated white tank yep. top, like oh yeah. And he had uh he had this like big chain that he was holding, and he had four of the biggest, meanest looking dogs, like all on oh. the end of this one chain. Scary. Just, I know, like shit like that. And he just went into this building. Like, how do you have four huge dogs in like a tiny apartment building? Like, a, oh, dude, uh, that reminds me of something I saw on Reddit. <laughs> I saw on Reddit the other week. It was someone videotaping. Just like you're saying, they're looking at the balcony of the building across like their alley or whatever. And yeah. this woman w- would just let her dogs shit and piss on the balcony. And then she'd take the dog shit and just throw it off the balcony. <laughs> and the entire balcony, you could just tell, was covered in dog shit stains. And she was walking around bare feet. Uh, and then she had like this dog shit, like pick her upper. And then she just brought that inside with her when she was done. She didn't uh, leave it outside. She brought it inside. And the comment section was absolutely livid with this person. And you can only imagine if that's the outside part of their house, if that's their balcony, what does the inside look like? 
dude. I do not want to know. It reminds me of Hoarders. Yeah. Ooh, I saw a Hoarders episode where the woman's her hoarding, she would hoard her shit. That was her thing. She would save oh, her yeah. shit. It was yes. one of the most disgusting things I've ever seen in my life. In my yes. life. In my life. Wow. What is it? Uh, man, what, is, what a strange psychological condition. Oh, man. I just can't. Every day. You know why people love those shows, all those TLC shows? Because they watch it and they just think to themselves, at least I'm not these motherfuckers. And it makes them feel better. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much, I think. Pretty much. And, uh, man, other than that, um, other than that, it's pretty good. Other than that, it's pretty good. That's the only thing. But, like, on the plus side, the grocery store is, like, so cheap. Really? It's insane. Interesting, interesting. Because it's like, because these, like, I think there's like some low income housing like around here. So that's why the grocery store is so cheap. You have yet to be accosted or molested or mugged. Um, some home, a homeless guy asked me for money and I said no. And after I walked past him, he was like, fuck you. Really? <laughs> <laughs> He's like the uh, the nice guy uh, trying to like pick up a girl, and then when they say no, they immediately call him a bitch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's hilarious. You're all, you're yeah. probably poor anyways. <laughs> <laughs> I actually like I didn't have any money that I could give him. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, who carries cash these days, right? You, you got to get they got to get the little squares. If they want to continue this homeless racket. (laughs) (laughs) You got to get a tap. Where's tap? Can I tap? Just tap tap my forehead. (laughs) It'll automatically give me 50 cents. So you can tap me 20 times. That's a great idea. Flicking a guy's forehead with your debit card. (laughs) Just get a chip and plant it in your forehead. (laughs) (laughs) He sticks his tongue out. It's a prompt for a tip. 30%. (laughs) Man, the tip tip inflation is out of control. It's insane. It's like <laughs> people are expecting twenty to twenty five percent of the entire bill. Sometimes for not even doing anything. Like if, you, uh, if I go to okay, if I go to Subway and you make a sandwich for me, I'm not tipping. That's the job. The job is making sandwiches. You're not, you know, coming out to my car and asking me if I need anything else after. They're they're just there to make the sandwich. You don't get a tip. Anytime I'm up, if I have to be, if the entire interaction takes place at the point of sale, the counter, the cashier (laughs) counter, you're not getting a tip, okay? A tip belongs to someone who checks in on you over a period of time, all right? All right. Damn. All right, yeah. Yeah, I I, I agree. I think, isn't it just like, I feel like it's like employees want more money but the employer isn't going to pay them more. So they're just like, we'll just add a tip function. Yeah, I mean. And then we'll, we'll outsource payment to the public. Because at the end of the day, <laughs> it's up to the customer if they want to tip or not, even though it's kind of like, you know, fuck no. You just got to get used to saying no tip. But there are some of these tip prompts where you it'll automatically add a tip if you don't. Uh, well, that happened in, in our city, actually, and it was on the news. There was a liquor store that was adding a tip automatically. You had to opt out of a tip. And hmm. people just weren't noticing that because it's so not the way it should be 
it wasn't until someone realized on that, like seeing the prompts on the debit screen, like, wait, I'm opting it. I have to opt out of a tip. They're volunteering you for a tip. It's, it's pretty much theft, essentially. It's like, it's like pickpocketing. And then when they get caught, they're like, oh, I, well, you know, you didn't stop me from pickpocketing you. So I figured it was fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It feels like the conversation at the start of Reservoir Dogs, really, they're like debating whether or not they should tip people. And I forget it. I forget what, what they say. Oh, like Steve Buscemi is like, Steve Buscemi is saying like, I don't tip. Um, like it's, uh, they're at like a coffee shop. Yeah. I remember. And, I remember that. And they keep, she keeps bringing him coffee and stuff like that or something. And he's just like, no, I don't tip. Um, and I think his argument's the same thing. I think he said it's the, it's the job. Like, let me look it up. Reservoir dogs. And then, uh, okay. Well, that's different. Cause she's coming and checking in on their table. That warrants a tip, but that's the job checking in on the table. Yeah. But you can have degrees of service. Like there's a degree, there's a, uh, a spectrum of qual- service quality in that, uh, time frame where you're looking after a table, right? Oh, okay. I'll read the scene. Okay. I'll read the scene for you. Here's the scene. Okay, so nice guy Eddie is Harvey Keitel, I think, and Mr. Pink is Steve Bush. I can't remember what they are, whatever. Right. Uh, so nice guy says, come on, throw in a buck. Mr. Pink says, uh-uh, I don't tip. You don't tip? No, I don't believe in it. You don't believe in tipping? You know what these chicks make? They make shit. Don't give me that. She don't make enough money that she can quit. Oh. She don't well, make enough money that she can quit. Uh, I don't even know a fucking Jew who'd have the balls to say that. Let Sam, me get this straight. You're going to get us this canceled. Is, this is Tarantino. This is Tarantino. <laughs> oh, yeah? Quentin Tarantino wrote this, okay? You can't cancel me for saying this. It's <laughs> only a matter of time Let before me... that guy gets canceled anyways. <laughs> Quen- oh, man. All right. Uh, I don't even anyway. I don't even know a fucking Jew who'd have the balls to say that. Let me get this straight. You don't ever tip? I don't tip because society says I have to. All right, if someone deserves a tip, if they really put forth an effort, I'll give them something, a little something extra. But this tipping automatically, it's for the birds, as far as I'm concerned. They're just doing their job. Hey, our girl was nice. She was okay. She wasn't anything special. What's special? Take you in the back and suck your dick? I'd go over 12% for that. (laughs) 12%? Uh, I remember back in the day, it was 10% was the standard. Now we've yeah, doubled right? that. Ten percent. Now it's fifteen, twenty. Twenty. Twenty is where I am stopping. Twenty is where I Got stop. On. Yes. <laughs> Unless I'm hammered and you like juggle for me or something, then I'll probably probably bump that up to thirty. Um. Anyways, anything else going on? Oh, we're fifteen minutes in. Do we have a plan for this episode? Yeah. Yeah, we do. Okay, let's get into it. I have. No. Uh. No, we'll, we'll talk about it next episode. Go on. Yeah. All right. Well, good thing. Uh, good thing we remembered to check the time because today the topic is memory. Ah, oh, nice segue. Memory. Not yeah. bad. Yeah. Uh, so, and then we can maybe we can combine this with an episode on personal identity next time. Anyway, okay. identity over time. But anyway, here we go. Uh, the philosophy of memory. So we all know, like, we all think memories, like, we all know what memories are, but there are actually three different kinds of memory. 
And we can see these very clearly in the Jason Bourne film. Oh. The first one, The Bourne Identity. All three of them? Uh, mainly, yeah, well, kind of, I guess, but mainly, mainly in the first one. The first one's the, the best for this. Okay. It's the one where he, like, you meet the character. For the, but anyway, so he has, like, he seems to have, uh, he seems like he can't remember anything, but he actually can remember some things. And uh, so this shows the three kinds of memory. The first kind is episodic memory. That's remembering past experiences that you had. Then the second one is semantic memory, and that's remembering facts. Like, for example, Jason Bourne. Uh, okay, well, let's wait for a second. Like, you can remember facts, like uh, Caesar was the Roman emperor. Right. And then facts the last about one the is, world. Like, I know. Yeah, yeah. 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 And then the last one is skill. So you can remember how to ride a bike. That kind well, of thing. he certainly remembers his skill, if I recall. Yeah, that's exactly it. So he uh, he has no trouble remembering skills. In fact, skills are the only thing he seems to be able to remember. He can't remember any of his past experiences, so he has no episodic memory. He has a... I don't know what his semantic memory is like because he doesn't remember any facts either. Like He doesn't remember his name, what his job was, when he was born. Yes, but he but still he remembers remember- like how the world works. Yeah, and that's a little weird, right? Like he remembers like what countries are. Um, yeah, you names need passports, of, names of cash. objects. Yeah, yeah, passports, cash. How to? Yeah. Um, but what he didn't seem to forget at all were skills. So he remembers how to read, how to speak English, and but then he also remembers all these complex skills, like uh, all these fighting skills and mm-hmm. espionage, trade craft, guns. Yeah. Um. But then another really interesting thing is with these skills, he doesn't, because he doesn't have any episodic or semantic memory, he doesn't know that he has these skills. If you would ask him, like, do you know how to do X or Y? He probably wouldn't, you'd probably say no. But would when he he's say confronted, no? If I was, if someone was like, do you know how to, like, I guess, uh, I mean, it seems so weird. Oh, it's like, hey, do you know how to f- fight? And he would just think, it wouldn't take. He would just think about what he would do in a fight, and he'd be able to realize, "Yeah, I can, I can fight." Don't yeah. you think? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, but yeah, so like, but he doesn't. Uh, it would take a prompt, I guess, because he doesn't think like, "Oh, I remember," because he doesn't remember knowing how to fight. Right. Um, it's he only when he's no. And when he's asked, then he would remember. He would realize he knows how to fight, but maybe until that moment, he wouldn't realize it. May, yeah, maybe because because it it kind of depends, right? Like, because um, when he's confronted with certain stimulus, like someone tries to like detain him, he immediately seems to know just exactly how to, you know, manipulate them so they can so he can, uh, like knock them out or choke them out or whatever he needs yeah. to do. But, but to remember, but anyway, so those are like the three kinds of memory, episodic, semantic, and skills. And uh, in this episode, we're mostly going to talk about episodic memory. So remembering our experiences Mm -hmm. that we've had. So before we get into the theories of memory, um, would you say memory is a a good 
would how do how do you think memory works like intuitively just from someone who uses their memory all the time oh god that's like now we're getting into like the biology of human of the human brain that I absolutely have no idea what's going on. So I, let's put it I, like this. I would imagine let's... your memories are stored somewhere like a computer. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the, uh, this is like the most common sense um, and oldest way of, of thinking about memory. And and we'll get it. And so, the, so that's, that's right on. Uh, so the main problem, the main philosophical problem of memory is that memories are representations of past events. Hmm. But how do we distinguish our memories from imagination, fantasy, and delusions? Well, I mean, we all know that memory is very unreliable as far as like the further something gets away from the point of it actually occurring, the less accurate your memory of it is going to be. But yeah, I think does memory work like kind of like, um, you know, you have synapses that uh, a certain combination of synapses are fired when uh, something occurs. And then when you think back, those synapses activate. Uh, again, as if it's happening again, but maybe they're not exactly the way it was. I don't know. I have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> but uh, yeah. I just know memories that, can be very like everybody knows the experience of you know ha recalling a story with someone else who was there and having mm -hmm. you know details be off. Yeah, yeah, and that would seem that might, that might seem to conflict with the like stored stored data idea. But anyway, yeah. let's. Uh, this is like the big problem for, the for stored memories. data just degrades over time, I guess. Perhaps, perhaps. Um, but this is like the big problem with memory is how do we distinguish our memories from what you might say mere imaginings? And if a theory of memory can't distinguish between these, then maybe that's not a good theory of memory. But maybe as we will see, this is actually a misguided starting point. So anyway, let's let's get into some theories of memory. Okay. Uh, the first one is what you were sort of saying. The this is the empiricist theory. So in this view, the mind is like a like a you could think of it as like like clay putty or like a box or something. Um, and the senses make impressions on the mind, and then the mind stores that sense impression mm -hmm. so you perceive something um so and then all of the and then your brain all it has to work with are these sense impressions that it has received right so both your imagination and your memory take these sense impressions as their uh uh their data or their information that they will use right so they're not, it's not an actual memory. It's more about the, uh, the impact on your like emotions and your thoughts and feelings and, and, uh, actual physical senses too, I guess. Um, that, that's probably more like accurate for how it, maybe for how it actually works. But when they, like, these are, this is like kind of an older theory, um, from David Hume was a big guy in this one. So they didn't really actually know at all what was going on in the brain mm -hmm. 
for them, they really did sort of think like a sense datum gets like stored there, like a token or something. Right. Um, they didn't really know what was going on though. Cause I'm thinking like, I'm imagining your brain is like one of those giant, uh, pin boards, you know, with the thousands of tiny pins and you push your hand in and then you take it out. And then on the other side, there's like the, uh, you know, the pins all are in the shape of your hand, even though the hand's not there anymore, the shape of it, the impressions on those pins form the shape of a hand. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, you could think of it like that. Um, of course, there won't be like a, a picture of your hand in your brain, but it'll be a representation of your hand. So yeah. like a good comparison um, is like a, <clears throat> um, like a painting of the ocean is not actually the ocean. It doesn't really resemble it. It's two-dimensional, The all those sorts of things, but it's a representation of it. Yeah. Yeah. So... So our memories, so so here's David Hume. And so here's what he says about these impressions. So he says memories are distinguishable from imagination for two main reasons. The first one is because imagination is capable of contradicting our experience. So we could imagine a man with the body of a horse but we would never be able to remember. We would never have a memory of a man with the body of a horse. Not unless so memories you are a not dream flexible. about it, which is, you know, a memory of your imagination. That's a good point. <laughs> um, and, not that uh, I've had a bunch yeah, of very dreams about centaurs shirtless <laughs> in a field, greased up, beckoning me in, and I can't run fast enough. Only two legs. Oh, yeah. I just want to w- run with the boys, you know, be one of the pack, <laughs> but I, can't, I can never get there. No. No. Um, can't keep up. No. I just remember the way they glisten. All right. <laughs> Memory or imagination? Let's, yeah. So... Here, so so here's like the problem. Here's a big problem with this. How do we know that our memories don't contradict our experience? We can't compare the memory to the original sense impression. When we, the memory is not the original. The original is the sense impression. Right. The memory is like we are pulling that out, a representation of that sense impression. So you actually can't even tell if there's nothing to compare it to. So it doesn't really make sense to say that, you know, it's not as flexible. Right. And then there's like, and then he also says memories are more vivid than imagination. They're more detailed. Um, we can remember things spontaneously, whereas imagination is less vivid and you have to like work to imagine things. Yeah. That's, that's the thing is that you you have to there's an effort involved i mean there's a little bit of an effort involved in recalling a memory but it's not uh any sort of creation happening you're just trying to like you know when you remember something whereas mm-hmm. you imagine something you kind of you don't have that same feeling of oh i found something yeah so here here's an interesting point though is like how do you 
can Hume's theory explain how we know that it's a, a genuine memory? Because everything he's saying that shows you what a genuine memory is seems to also be true about the imagination. Like we said, we don't we can't tell if the memory is contradicting our experience because we can't compare it to the original experience anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's also uh, not true. Like sometimes imagination is more vivid than memory. And sometimes you can imagine something spontaneously. So all of like, so when we say like, oh, I really know I remember this, how it still seems like we could still be wrong. It could still be imagination. It could still be uh, something else. So Hume's got some problems here. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of, a lot of people, it, it's it, it's kind of like a mix is that you a lot of times you'll just have a memory with details that are imagined but imagining an entire memory of an occurrence is 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 different that's a whole different thing yeah so so here's so we're going to skip ahead to the present day because so much of the philosophy of memory has been done by people who didn't really know how the brain worked at all right <laughs> So it's really interesting to read and they make a lot of good points. But uh, now we have like real data that we can look at. So the current theory, a big popular theory of memory now is called simulation theory. We're all on a computer. <laughs> is that what it is? That's what I thought too. That's what I thought. I was like, <laughs> our memories are being, are oh, all I simulated. I heard a guy talking about this in the lineup at 7-Eleven at 3 a.m. Uh, I get it. I get it. <laughs> Uh, so under this theory, it totally like turns the whole project on its head and says that memory is actually a lot like imagination. Specifically, they use this weird term where they say like the brain is capable of mental time travel. But that's kind of like a, I don't really know, like, I don't find that like a helpful, uh, helpful analogy sorry can you say that again the brain is like what mental time travel oh okay memories so are like mental time think about travel. like think about how you can imagine future experiences uh not just memories but just the mind itself like so for example think about how you can imagine the future yeah like for example you imagine how your day is gonna go yeah um you imagine uh, like future experiences that you're going to have. So there is a lot of uh, evidence from MRI machines that when people do this, this is called episodic future thought. You try to imagine events that are going to happen to you in the future. Uh, Yeah, I'd figure this is what most people are using their brains for throughout the day is, is planning. Or imagining what's going to happen. I think most people spend uh, most of their time imagining yeah. what's going to happen and not thinking about what's happened already. Yeah. Yeah, we do this all the time. Like, this is this is a big thing. Um, the predictive mind is like a whole thing in psychology and philosophy of mind. Um, so, but but there's big overlap between when we have episodic future thought and when we 
Imagine what might have happened if certain events did not occur. Okay. So the MRI, our brains are doing similar things between these two activities, but these are very different activities. One is about imagining the future, and then one is about looking back into the past and imagining how the past might be different if some event might not have happened mm. or if something else had happened. So like, for example, you imagine into the past, like, ah, oh, what if on that day I had, I hadn't uh, like slept in, maybe I wouldn't have gotten fired or something like that. Right. Um, and so the takeaway from this is that the brain needs to, the brain uses memories or some sort of stored information of past events to construct the scene or the experience. Mm. So for example, you remember in order to, uh, in order to imagine how things might've happened if something did not occur, you have to go into your memory. Right. And right. then you have to use details from your memory, people from your life, all these sorts of things, real people from your life and, and take them and imagine how uh, things would have, would have happened. Right. So you're using memory and your imagination sort yeah. of in the same process. Yes. It, Yes. Yeah. You couldn't have said it better. Um, the two things are kind of working hand in hand. Mm -hmm. So memories are not like, so according to this theory, a memory is not like a recorded episode of an event that you like pick from a library and then your brain plays it. Mm -hmm. Actually what's happening is your brain is trying to reconstruct something that happened. It really is trying to uh, like generate or simulate something from the past so there must be some something stored there but what's really uh, happening is the brain is creating something with with the with the powers of imagination and memory what do you think about that uh, i don't know it's a lot it's a lot to think of because now i'm like all right if i can't predict the future and i can't remember the past then what the hell is going on well, no, well, sure. That's the thing, though, is you can predict the future and you can remember the past. It's but just not, not the way that you thought. Well, let's let's think about that because, on the one hand, we know that memory is unreliable. Yeah, right? like we've all done. We've all done the 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 memory games where you, um, like try to remember what color shirt someone was wearing or like how many people were playing with the hula hoop, you know, stuff like that in the video. And we yeah. can't remember it, even though we just saw it. Yeah. And we'll give them wrong answers. But I, what I'm like saying that. is now you're telling me that when I think back to things that happened, it's probably a mix of imagination and memory. And then when I think forward to say how my day is going to go, I'm uh, like, how often does your day go the way exactly the way you predict? It's probably about 60% at best goes the way you predict. Uh, and now I'm thinking we're when I'm thinking about things that happened, I'm, I'm probably only getting 60% accuracy there too, at best. <laughs> so I'm, I'm yeah. riding at like only 60% certain about anything. <laughs> okay. You, you become skeptical. That's okay. Yes. That's okay. It's good to be a little skeptical, but, but it's, it's also okay to think like, 
when we remember something, it doesn't have to be 100%. If you think about it from an evolutionary perspective. I think about everything from an evolutionary perspective. <laughs> That's why Mem- people hate me. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, like think about memory. Like in fact, most most things we forget the vast majority of our experiences. Most things yeah, don't go. And I don't think I memory. want to remember any. I mean, all of my experiences. I think I think the brain is actually pretty good at remembering the good stuff more than uh, it remembers. Like the really important. Yes, or traumatic or stuff. amazing yeah. things. Yeah. But important that can gets be good important. and bad. Yes. But that's the that's what you have to remember is those big important things. Most well, I mean, stuff who, who wants to remember all the mundane shit, you know, like all the day-to-day yeah. chores and whatnot. You don't need to remember that. No, no. It's it's pointless. Um and you also and like when it comes to details, like you can you can uh train yourself to commit details to memory like by memorizing things and you can, you can memorize things to a high degree of accuracy. Like people have memorized like entire novels, the Bible, like people with the Quran, um, like you can remember things to a high degree of accuracy, but it just takes a lot of work. Mm -hmm. Um, Like if I was to, um, if I was forced to like make a 3d model of my house, I could probably make a pretty accurate, if I have the tools, to do that i could probably make a very you know not one-to-one but like i can make a pretty accurate recreation i think of my uh, places that i've been a lot yeah so what so i think that the 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 takeaway from that simulation theory is like well our memories are like our brain constructs our memories the act of remembering constructs memories from some data the point is, is that this mechanism is reliable enough mm-hmm. for us to get by. Well, maybe it's part. just exactly where it wants to be. I mean, maybe there was a version of humanity or evolution earlier on in our tree where everybody could remember everything and people started hating each other because they <laughs> could remember ah. every little slight, every little, uh, you know, every every social faux pas that anyone's ever done towards them. Oh man, I'm I'm so glad you brought that up because that is directly related to uh, some of to this idea of uh, the right to be forgotten. Ah, this is the tech thing, like for uh, yeah, Facebook tech. and like you're all your yeah, and we see so what happens a- when uh, you know we've seen people, usually famous people, uh have their Twitter history mined for things that were <laughs> offensive yeah, good that point. are offensive today, but maybe weren't considered too oh very my just Sometimes like, my Facebook memories, I'm just like, holy fuck. I can't oh, believe I posted dude. that on Facebook. Yeah, same. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, I don't even want to, I, I can only imagine some of the comment sections where, that are still like floating out in the ether somewhere, oh some server somewhere that it's like, I'm so glad. And that's just the. Oh, can you imagine? Oh my God, I, I'm so thankful that we did not have like. I mean, when's the earliest? The earliest, uh, like, internet activity it would probably be like MSN back in the day. Like, are those all log? That's all log somewhere, probably, right? I think the internet time machine. You can find practically anything. That's insane. 
Yeah. That's actually terrifying. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So this is, uh, yeah, this is the right to be forgotten because yeah, well, like we're saying, we've, the default is for us to just forget everything. Mm-hmm. But now literally almost everything is stored and remembered by computers, which have a very different way of remembering than we do. They don't forget. They do not forget. They actually modeled computers after elephants' brains, <laughs> nice. especially the memory part. So, memory part, yeah. <laughs> Man, I wish my computer had like a trunk or something. That would be sweet. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> that would be too dangerous to combine with porn. <laughs> <laughs> Just start sucking you off. Oh my god! Stop it! <laughs> Stop drinking my my soda, you stupid computer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah let's let's keep technology and uh let's, let's try not to fuck any computers just yet yeah yeah so uh so this bring yeah so this is external memory this idea of external memory um there's like a whole philosophical debate about like oh can you is your computer like actually part of your memory i, I find that really boring and not interesting um it's a it's a memory aid like can we just call it that like, yeah, I can't remember anything that's on my computer until I see it in front of me. Yeah, it's it's not part of your brain. It's uh-huh. whatever. Or maybe it is. I don't really care. It's not interesting to me. But anyway, um, here, here's a fun quote. So some people are worried that our reliance on machines and stuff will make us dumb. Well, Specifically, it, w- it will make us not able to remember things because we are so reliant on computers for memory. I started watching Idiocracy the other night. Uh, I hadn't seen it in years and that's pretty much what happens is uh, machines just do everything for everyone. And they're all so, so, so stupid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's uh that's like, that. that is like an intuitive fear. However, I would point out that the famous philosopher Plato once warned that another early external memory technology would cripple our ability to remember things. And that written, was writing, the written word. Writing, <laughs> yeah. devil's technology. The devil's technology. And that's not even like, he's not even talking about the printing press. He's just talking about writing in a book. I don't even so know he, how they wrote back then. Like, I guess papyrus or something, yeah. So Plato was looking at people with quills, writing yeah, stuff. He didn't, Socrates didn't write anything down. So that he was, was like, looking at it, and he's looking at the people writing stuff down. He's like, that shit's going to rot your brain. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. You're melting your brain, kids. <laughs> That's hilarious. Stop Put writing. That notebook away. <laughs> Stop reading and writing. It's going to make you stupid. Just kids sitting on the public stairs writing in notebooks. Can't even walk to work. <laughs> uh, funny. Well, All right. I um, mean, I don't. What else do we have in memory? Lots of we people a, I know nowadays do say time? that. It's not. No. We have uh, about 15 minutes left. Um, oh, okay, nice. I don't feel like my memory has gotten worse. I feel like my attention span is at, is what's at jeopardy here. Um, oh, yeah. When it comes to That's technology. That's a different worry. Yeah. Yeah. That is a different worry. Because writing requires attention span. Yes. So does reading. and So uh, does reading, yeah. If it's a really good book, I'm I'm like, it's one of those things where it's like time just flies by. But if I'm having to read something uh, for information purposes only, oh my God, dude, I can barely get through a paragraph before I have to like get up and do something. 
Uh, I yeah. I wonder if maybe like maybe like naturally we have short attention spans, and then they get longer because we learn how to read and how to write. And then there's like, like maybe we are more naturally have short attention spans. You think so? I don't and think, and we're we're weird because we have to learn how to write when we're kids, and it fucks up our our natural attention span. I don't know because I think when you're not around technology, it's you are like the a short attention span doesn't benefit you at all. I mean, like mm. if you're out, like when I'm out, I just went out for like a day hike and didn't have my phone on me or anything, and it's so refreshing. You're just looking at nature and you're not really thinking about anything. You're just kind of like, I'm here, I'm in it. You know what I mean? No yeah, no phone buzzing. Sense, but in that sense, are you paying attention to anything? Or are you just like walking and letting your mind wander and, and looking at things? I would say I'm not letting my mind wander to things other than what I'm doing. Especially if I'm like hiking, I'm usually very much in the moment. Anytime I'm in nature, I find I'm 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 a lot more in the moment. I'm not sitting there contemplating like what I'm going to do the next day or like what's happening at work next week or, you know, anything when I'm in, when I'm in the woods, when I'm in the goddamn woods, I'm thinking <laughs> about the woods. My eyes are on the trees, baby. God's I country. Yeah. Like I, that's, what's so good about camping is you get to forget everything, yeah. uh, to, to do with your real life, especially if you can get out of cell phone service. Where then every suddenly your whole life becomes very simple, uh, simplified, yeah. you know, get the fire going, make some food and then uh, do whatever. Would would you say, though, that like when you're doing this, that you are. Demonstrating that you have a really long attention span. I feel like this is different from that. This doesn't sound like you're like paying attention or like concentrating on something for a while. Well, it might just be that there's less distractions, right? So my attention span might be uh, just as bad, but I, my attention is shifting to things that are in my immediate surrounding, not going off onto different websites or one second I'm on Instagram and I'm looking at a picture of someone in Paris and then I swipe a little bit. And now I'm watching a video of a guy play the guitar and then it's like that type of attention span where you're you're completely switching gears as to what exactly you're looking at all the time. Whereas when you're in the nature, everything you do, you might have a shorter, your attention span might've got not gotten better, but everything you're switching your focus on is kind of to do with your immediate scenario. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so, uh, I, I feel like, yeah, I feel like there's like two different things happening. Like on the one hand, when you're, doing the internet you are paying intense attention to lots of different things in rapid succession Mm -hmm. you're intensely looking at this then you get bored of it and you go to something else but you're always like you're jumping from thing to thing and paying attention to it usually completely like a lot of times it's like very unrelated stuff right but like reddit you go scroll through reddit you're gonna have a billion different articles all completely talking about completely different things, which maybe that's why I feel like I have better attention span when I'm in nature, because you don't have that Rolodex of different, uh, you know, things to swipe through as the second yeah, you feel bored, right? You're just in, you're in nature. Um, yeah. It's just one thing, but 
you're constantly, when you're in nature, you're being confronted with like way more detail and information than you are when you're on the internet. That's true. Like every, every footstep you might have to plan depending on the terrain, right? Or uh, you're constantly like, there's so much more noise coming through and, and, and every noise in nature can be something meaningful. Whereas when you're mm -hmm. on the internet, noises are nothing because they're almost never going to actually affect you. Yeah. But, but I, I would say there's a big difference between like being in nature and not having like the rapid shifting of attention from thing to thing to thing. And I would say that that's not, that doesn't mean that when you're in nature, you have a great attention span. It just means you're not, uh, you're not actually, you may be paying attention to way less. Maybe. And just sort I, of being in a, in a state, like a flow state where you don't, where you're not yeah, like actively concentrating or paying attention. That's true. It's much easier to, to just kind of sit there and Zen out when you're in nature, right? Because yeah, you don't nothing, have a, nothing's grabbing your attention. Yeah. And you don't necessarily, not, things aren't, nothing requires your attention as much, right? Yeah. For the most part. Yeah. Maybe sometimes you'll need to pay attention. Like you're saying, plan your steps on the trail. Yeah. But you don't have to do that for hours at a time. So I guess it just feels like I have a longer attention span because I don't, I notice my mind isn't being stimulated over and over and over again by random things. Yeah. Yeah. I, th I think that's exactly, I think that's it. I think, uh, which is weird because a lot you of the, notice your attention. the reason your people lo love scrolling and swiping through reels and stuff is because it's like little dopamine hits when you see something you like, right? Yeah. Where you and you do get that dopamine hit, but when you're in nature, you don't have you don't get to choose anything really what what you're seeing, especially if you yeah. don't have any technology with you. And you get yeah, a, you you also get a good feeling. I don't know if that's dopamine, but it is dopamine, yeah. I think it's the better version of it. It's a better way to get it, yeah. Yes. But yeah. that being said, no, like button three, four days in the woods, I'm ready to get the hell out of there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's almost like you need uh, something to focus on after a while. Yeah. Well, you need a, you need a uh, tasks outside of just getting uh, more firewood and uh, opening another beer. Right. <laughs> exactly. Even if you get a task, like I'm going to climb this mountain. It's really, you just start, you just start climbing. You're not really thinking too much. Yeah, it all depends on what you're doing. Like, if you're doing technical climbing, you're going to have to pay close attention to what you're doing, mm -hmm. uh, maybe for hours at a time. But if you're out for a stroll, you don't really have to pay attention to anything. Just take it in. Nothing is trying to grab you. Like, pay attention to me, pay attention to me. I'm just like, ah, I'm just out here. Yeah, and it's nice. It's real nice. Yeah, it is nice. Yeah. Okay. Um... Do we have time for one more? One, one more, more quick, topic? quick, quick topic because I got a, I got a tight schedule going ahead here. All right, quick hitter. Um, collective memory. Can you have collective memories? As in, uh, well, do you mean like genetic cool memory or something like that, or like you know, like yeah, so two kinds. Uh, okay, a genetic memory would be. I don't know about genetic memory. But so here's an example of a small scale 
a small scale group that might have a manifest collective memory. So this is called a transactive memory system. So this is a group of people and they're, they each are tasked with remembering certain information and they all know who is tasked with remembering what information. Uh, so here's a, here's a quote uh, from Wegner quote, a stable ongoing group characterized by a division of responsibility for remembering and a shared awareness of that division. Mm. So imagine like imagine a time before writing when the only way to store information was in your own head. Yeah. You might have to remember some really complex things and it might be really hard for one person to remember them. Right. So what you might do is you might get a group of people and say like, look, you guys is your job is to remember uh, how to build a, a ship and you're going to remember these details and you're going to remember those details and you're going to remember those and you're going to remember, remember those. And then they can all work together as memory aids for each other to collectively remember how to do some complex task, like build a ship or something like that. Right. Like a, a boat, I guess you'd call it. I don't know. Um, so there's a philosophical debate about whether like a group like that, do they have a collective memory? Um, well, uh, I don't know if I really understand the qu the question. Oh, just burped in the mic. Because um, <laughs> they're only remembering part of the equation, right? They only remember part of it, but you can, uh, they know like what other people are tasked with remembering. So for example, they'll be like, I remember that we need to build this section in this way, but how is that going to impact uh, your section that you have to like remember maybe and maybe they can help each other recall things um somehow uh basically they're all like all in a group and they all work on remembering something together yeah. anyway that's one that's a small scale and then large scale collective memory so like can an could an entire nation have a collective memory um this is another this is like a little tricky but consider like, like you might think like, okay, like the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, do their nations have a collective memory of all these grievances? Um, and then another thing you can think about is uh, social objects. So institutions, contracts, money. These are all things that exist over time and persist over time, but they don't actually physically exist anywhere. So what grounds their existence in society? Maybe it's an ongoing collective memory. Enough people have to remember these things in order for them to continue to exist. Well, definitely for non-physical social constructs like that, or yeah. I don't know if social constructs, the right word, but like, uh, social like, object. Yeah. Like money. Everybody has to remember what money's for, for the society to work. If everybody woke up tomorrow and forgot about money, things would be weird. Probably, I don't know. Maybe it would be better. They'd Maybe be, better, yeah. So we just have all this stuff already. <laughs> just yeah. be like, I'll just, I'll have some, you guys have some. Yeah. There's enough knows, fucking probably... Lexuses down at the dealer for a bunch of us <laughs> to have a Lexus. Oh my God, yeah. Plenty of cars. Yeah. How'd they all get here? We don't know. We don't remember. Well, we each get one. <laughs> yeah. 
What do you want? Do we, Not everybody wants the same thing, right? There might be enough to go around so everybody can get what they want. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, blur genetic memory. That's 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 a whole another one that wasn't in this. Uh, that, thing. I don't when know. I think of that. Cool. I think of the feeling I get when I stand near a high, like a cliff or something. And I'm getting afraid, even though I've never fallen off a cliff. It's it's almost like I'm, it's like that fear that I'm getting is all of my ancestors throughout the evolutionary tree that fell off a cliff are screaming at me from beyond the grave. <laughs> they all died in the falls, though, right? Uh, okay, all of my genetic ancestors that witnessed someone fall off a cliff are screaming at me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just well, gonna, I'm looking. Uh, yeah, I'm looking it up. I'm looking up. Are babies instinctively afraid of heights? I'm looking it up because I know this has been studied. Yes, I think I might be wrong. I think babies aren't. Here we go. There is no compelling evidence to support fear of heights in human infants. God damn it. Well, there goes my <laughs> thing. Uh, babies are stupid. They're dumb. <laughs> well, babies don't remember anything. Have... Maybe, their, maybe their genetic memories don't kick in until they're old enough to form memories that last. Ah, interesting. There is one organism on this earth that is certainly capable of genetic memory. Do you know what that is? Fungi? Nope. Well, maybe. I don't know. But insects. Spiders. Spiders do not need to be taught how to build a web. They instinctively know how to do it. I think they talked about that in uh, Children of Time. Oh, yeah. That's a big thing in Children of Time is the, the spiders can... They pat the. It's so interesting. Like they all of their knowledge and skills is encoded in male sperm. Mm. So the way they like pass on knowledge is they have like a male will like fuck a female, and then uh, she gets his like she gets his sperm. So she gets all the memories that he knows and that his parent spider knew, his mother knew. Well, she and doesn't get the, the uh, their offspring will get those memories, right? So she so so she has the memory, right? So say you're a spider A. Spider uh-huh. A has some knowledge, some skill. Spider A um, gets impregnated by a male and has a male uh, offspring. The male offspring then goes and impregnates Spider B. Now Spider B gets all of the knowledge and skills that were passed down from Spider A. Man, that would be perfect. cool if that like was... Like a perfect data transmission. Like, they don't have to, Could like... Could you imagine if humans seamless. were like that? Like, how skilled and intelligent and capable we would be? Oh, my God. It'd be insane. We'd be so much better. Yeah. Uh, maybe once we merge with AI, that would be... That'd be... Let's just do it. Let's merge with AI. I'm calling fucking Joe Biden and Elon. We're going <laughs> to settle this right now. All right. Well, that's our episode for this week. Hell, yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll be back next week. There's about a, I'd say a 50% chance we'll be back next week. So uh, hopefully maybe see you next week. Bye. Bye.